Pastor Chris's podcast. So as we've been going through all the 40 generations of men in Jesus' family tree, only five women are named. And of all of those men, only five are named, which is particularly interesting because in the patriarchal custom of the writers of the Bible, it was customary to omit the women. So the fact that there are five women named in the genealogy is a clue to us that there's something very special about these women that we need to pay close attention to. And so we've looked at these women and they are the heroines of our faith, but they're not famous for things that you would think. Every one of the situations that these women found themselves in was scandalous in one way or another. Tamar was impregnated by her father-in-law. And yet she was wise and cunning and she sensed that God's hand was at work in the family of Judah. And even though they weren't living the way they were supposed to, Tamar wanted to do anything, would do anything to be part of God's plan in this family. Then there was Rahab, who was a Canaanite prostitute who grasped at the chance to break free from her life and her sin and the destruction of her people by professing her faith in God and joining with his holy people. And then we learned of Ruth, who was a destitute foreign refugee who clung to God and his people and found redemption in the people of Israel. And then there was Bathsheba, who had an affair with the king and lost her child. But then she also became queen and her second child became Solomon. And she advocated for those who were oppressed and those who did not have a voice and those who were powerless. And today we will consider the best known of all five of the women in Jesus' genealogy, Mary, the mother mother of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 16 through 25, it says, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Now all those listed Above include 14 generations from Abraham to to David, 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And and Joseph named him Jesus. This is the word of God. For the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, Joseph 
is not Jesus' biological father. It's not Jesus by Jesus is not related to Joseph by blood. However, the Gospel of Mark spends 16 verses telling us the lineage of Jesus through Joseph. That's interesting. What does that say? What does that mean? Why go through all the trouble? Well, one thing is it says that Joseph adopted Jesus as his very own son. Joseph treated Jesus as his flesh and blood. And there was no distinction in Joseph's heart or mind that Jesus wasn't his actual son, even though the relationship wasn't biological. And therefore, when Matthew lists out all of Joseph's ancestors, he's saying that it's as good as saying Jesus is descended from this line. Joseph is his father in every aspect. How many of us have known this special adoptive love that treats us as actual sons or daughters by choice? Were you adopted? And you know that. Or do you know of someone who has treated you in your life as if you were their very own son? Or do you have a, a stepmother or a stepfather who has not related to you by blood, but has treated you as if you were actually their child? You know something of what Jesus grew up with in his life with Joseph. Think about it. Most people do not get to choose their parents. You are born to your biological father and mother, and they are who are they are. They who they are who they are whether you like it or not. And parents are compelled by the laws of nature to love their biological children. On the other hand, adoption is an actual choice that one makes. An adoptive parent chooses to accept and to love their adoptive child. Nature does not require it. And it is a very special kind of love when someone chooses to adopt a child who is not their biological son or daughter. It is worth noting here that this is the situation between Joseph and, and Jesus. And it's worth noting the situation into which Jesus was born. Jesus who is the most important man who ever lived, who was the son of God, was born in need of adoption. Mary was his biological mother, but Joseph was under no obligation whatsoever to accept Jesus. And once, Jesus, um, once Joseph understood the situation, Joseph chose to adopt Jesus as his own. Think about that. Joseph adopted God's only begotten son. Let that sink in for a minute. But what about Mary? Who is Mary? Mary has been famous to Christians for 2,000 years. She is so integral to our faith, she is named in the Apostles' Creed. We believe in Jesus Christ, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Of all of the, the women in Jesus' genealogy, Mary is the one that we know about, whereas we forget about the others. Some people admire Mary so much that they treat her 
like a goddess, even praying to her. Who is this fascinating mother? The Bible does not really focus in on Mary's life. After the stories of Jesus' conception and birth, Mary is only mentioned 12 more times. Mary is there in the background throughout the story of the New Testament, but she's never the focus of the story. The focus is always on Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Even so, Mary is there. Mary is there at the birth. She is there in the midst of Jesus' ministry, struggling to understand like everyone else, like us, trying to understand. She is there at the cross as her son dies. She is there at the tomb when he is buried in the grave. She's there at the tomb again when he rises. And she continues to be there, helping to lead the church with the disciples in Acts after Christ has ascended to heaven. She's always there in the background. And there's absolutely no description in the Bible of what Mary looked like, how she dressed. In the world today, when we talk about women, we we look around, we are very focused on how women look, how they dress, what makeup they wear, how do they fix their hairs? Is it short? Is it long? Is it curly? Is it up in a bun? We are the ones who are concerned about all these things. However, When we read the Bible and we look at one of the most important women in the scriptures, the Bible mentions absolutely nothing about how Mary looked. That tells us that these physical things, maybe they're not so important. We think they're important, but the Bible does not. And apparently God does not either. Perhaps they shouldn't be as important to us as we have made them. From God's perspective, from the perspective that really matters, true beauty has nothing to do with physical appearance or fashion or any of these other things. True beauty, the true beauty of a woman, comes from the way she responds to God. Mary would have been a young girl, probably only 12 or 13 years old when the angel Gabriel came to him. We know that because that's the age that most first century girls were given in marriage in Galilee. Mary, we know, was about to be given in marriage because she was engaged to Joseph the carpenter. So we know that that was probably the age. Now, that can be confusing to us because when we think of someone who is about to get married, we think about the the women around us that we know that are about to get married. And usually that's that age sometime after college, maybe between 22 to 30 years old. We think that's so when we think of Mary about to get married, we think of a woman who is probably 22 to 30. But that is not who Mary was. Mary was probably 12 or 13 years old. Now, if if I want to blow your mind, my daughter Abigail is about to turn 13 in one month. If you want to think of Mary, look at my daughter Abigail. That's who we're talking about in this story in the first chapter of Matthew. Mary was engaged to Joseph, but she was an ordinary girl looking forward to marriage a normal life, but the angel's visit changed her life forever. Mary was afraid and troubled by Gabriel. She never expected the incredible news she would have a child or that her son would be 
the Messiah. Although she didn't, although she couldn't comprehend how she would conceive a savior since she was a virgin, she was willing. She responded to God with belief, with faith, with obedience. Although it was a great honor to be chosen by God, her calling would demand great suffering. Just as there is pain in childbirth, just as there is a, a, a bittersweet suffering that goes along with motherhood, there would be much pain in the privilege of being the mother of the Messiah. Mary was a willing servant. She trusted God. She obeyed his call. The angel told Mary in Luke chapter 1 verse 28 that she was highly favored by God. What does that mean? It means that Mary had been given much grace or much undeserved favor from God. She didn't deserve it, but God gave it to her anyway. Even with God's favor, Mary would still suffer a great deal. Though she would one day be highly honored as the mother of the Messiah, she would first know the disgrace and shame of being an unwed mother. She would nearly lose her fiancé. Her beloved son eventually would be rejected, would be cruelly murdered. And yet she was willing. Mary's submission to God's plan would cost her dearly, yet she was a willing, she was willing to be God's servant. Mary was a woman of rare faith and obedience. Now we are deeply in debt to Mary. Her willing obedience to God brought the Savior into the world. And it's, it's no wonder that people have seen what she did. And for thousands of years, people have sought to honor this woman who gave birth to Jesus. Unfortunately, there is something that's within human nature that leads people to idolize and place people we admire up on a pedestal. Some people have gone so far as to venerate Mary. They even say that like Jesus, some people say that Mary never sinned, that she was uh, a perfect, that she was born without sin, a doctrine known as the Immaculate Conception. However, the Bible never in any place says that Mary was without sin. Actually, what the Bible tells us is that Romans 3.23, all people have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And every person who ever lived has sinned at some point, including Mary. Furthermore, we see that Mary struggled to understand what Jesus' ministry was all about. And, and in some places she even got it wrong. One time, Mary and her her other sons came to try to get Jesus and forcibly take him home because they thought that he had lost his mind and gone crazy and they wanted to take him home and protect him. See that she did not understand and she didn't really get what Jesus was doing, at least not in the beginning. It took time, just like it takes time for us sometimes to figure it out. Mary was not perfect. She was a sinner that needed God's grace, that needed salvation, just like you and me. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Christ who never sinned to, bring, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God 
through Christ. Is Jesus Christ that saved Mary, just like he saves you and me when we trust him? What do you see when you think of Mary? You might be tempted to picture the perfect woman portrayed in the porcelain nativity scene that you have on your mantel place at home, one that was sculpted by an artist to be the ideal woman. Is that the real Mary? Is that who you think you need to be? Some picture of perfection with no blemishes, perfectly innocent? I want to urge you not to turn Mary into some mythical figure. Let her be the real girl that she was in the gospel. The real story of Mary is so much more compelling than the fantasy. Mary was a young, poor female in a time when women were not highly regarded. She was a very real mother who had to change diapers and warm up bottles, who didn't get enough sleep at night and always had too much to do and never got the appreciation she deserved. She had no special powers or abilities, nothing that you don't have. She was, in every way, a human being. All she had was a willing and obedient heart. And God saw this within her. He saw her trust and her obedience. And he reached out and he gave her a precious gift. And he gave her the grace that she needed to see it through. You don't have to be perfect for God to choose you or to help you. You just need to trust him. You just need to be willing. You just need to obey his calling. Mary was like so many mothers. She was there in the background the whole time, nurturing, supporting, encouraging. She was not the central character in the story, and that was okay. She never needed to be the center of attention. To the contrary, she must have recognized as she came to understand more fully who her son was, that the focus should always be away from her, on her son. Jesus is Lord, not Mary. Jesus is the Savior, not Mary. Jesus is the one who takes away our sins, who answers our prayers, who directs our paths. Therefore, I think it would really disturb Mary if we spent too much time looking at her. She would say, why are you giving me all this attention? Don't look at me. Don't worship me. I'm just a person like you. Please look at my son, Jesus Christ. Isn't he wonderful? Oh, that we all had that same attitude about life. That this life is not about us. That it's about Christ. That we don't want people to look at us and what we've done. But rather to see Christ and who we are. And what we've done. But he's, he's the one that really matters. It's all for him. It's all about Christ. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth 
will grow strangely dim by the light of his glory and grace. Mary's life encourages us to be the best that we can be, not because she was perfect, but specifically because she was just an ordinary girl that God used because she was willing. You don't have to be perfect or even special to make a difference. Mary was just an ordinary girl who was willing to be the mother God wanted her to be. Are you willing to obey God's plan for your life? Do you trust God to take care of you and to take what you have and, and to use it for his glory, for his kingdom? That's the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus. What's your story?